This week on the Fake Outrage Report, we learn that marijuana might not save your life, but it will save you from Utah. We also learn about finger blasting, rehab, and airport security. Welcome to the Fake Outrage Report. My name is Sandeep Sen. With me, as always, the eye candy of the show, Phil Causey. <laughs> yeah, the eye candy. That's right. I am pretty. Phil, what's going on? Dude, uh, it's been a good week, man. You know, the weather's getting nice in New York. Uh, that's right. And it's baseball season again. I kind of want to get done with the show so I can go watch the Yanks versus Sox tonight. <laughs> that's a big deal to me anyway, or most people in New England. It's pretty early in the season, but we're still, we're really uh, hey, going down the rabbit hole if here. If you huh? are a fan, you're a fan, all right? Like, dude, it's the third game. This is game. Th- we only have 158 games left. Well, no, we're like, how do you, how do you sell the importance of the Yanks and Sox? Well, the way you sell the importance of any uh, intra-divisional game in any sport is you have to explain to people the head-to-head matchups. Because here's the thing. When you beat an opponent head-to-head in your division, not only are you taking a win away from them, you're handing them a loss. So the difference is actually two games instead of one. So right. winning head-to-head matchups is very important. And then you only have like 158 games left to to and you got to overcome the deficit. And you got to win those too. The head-to-head shit is really important. Mm-hmm. And, and there's various tiebreakers too at the end of the season for head-to-head stuff. If there's a tie, there's almost never a tie in baseball because of the amount of games. But, right. you know. So yeah, winning yeah, that I imagine you get inside the opponent's head when you beat them in that regard, even though there is so many games left, you know? Well, yeah, exactly. It's always good to get off on a good foot there in sports. Uh, and that, that voice you heard is Sam Stevens, our guest today. Sam. Hello. Hello, everyone. Oh, Sam you didn't Stevens do the here. you didn't do the thing. We know Sam, of course, from uh the comedy fight club uh he's also a regular and uh dear Sam, friend of mine he used to be a smoking buddy of mine way back in the day but neither of us are that cool anymore unfortunately uh, and sam we like to in case we forget we always like to do this up top are there is there anything that you want to plug uh i have a well i mean if you follow me on facebook you i post all my shows there i have a couple shows on friday and uh this uh this coming sunday actually this is pretty cool this coming sunday i'm in the finals uh, of the uh, tournament, the cur- the le- not the current tournament, the last tournament for Comedy Fight Club. Oh the yeah, tournaments overlap. I'm in the finals against Anthony Passaretti. Um, if I beat him, I get a shot at Jake Vevra for yes. the title. Congratulations, good luck with yeah, that. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Uh, uh, Sam often shows up to Comedy Fight Club in his underwear. So uh, yes, yes. Are you are you gonna keep tradition going? Uh, yeah. Well, a speedo. I've worn a diaper before. Uh, last time I wore a Wonder Woman costume. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I, you know, sometimes, sometimes I wear a costume. Sometimes I don't. I find if I wear a costume too many weeks in a row, uh, the audience gets sick of it and they kind of turn on the costume. So you gotta, yeah, you gotta, uh, turn it off and then turn it back on. Yeah. Didn't Matt, the commissioner, Matt Merriam, we've had him on, uh, didn't he try to tell you to not do that ever again once? No, well, no, it was the, uh, the venue was the bar, uh, said that I could not uh, wear any costumes anymore. It was after I went against Jake Crunken and Jake Crunken wore a banana hammock. And then <laughs> uh, the it wasn't me, yeah. I think, so much as it was uh, Jake Crunken in a thong. 
uh, that I don't. I think. I think. I think. You know what? I think it was a. Uh, it was a victim of Jay Crunken actually looking good in a thong. For me, it looks so ridiculous that people get that it's a joke yeah. when somebody who actually has a nice body wears like a uh, uh, a a thong. There, people are like, "Oh, like is this a sex dungeon?" When people see me in a speedo, they're like, "Oh, that's a joke." That, right. what that man's doing i think that's a so, very astute analysis or, yeah and so so they kind of they stopped it after that but then uh a f- like several weeks passed and i i kept on asking can i you know can i wear costumes again and uh jake um or uh no uh matt Marin kept on asking the owners you know hey can sam wear costumes again and the owners finally said yeah sure because they missed it too and Kyla was the oh, bartender, and Kyla kept rooting for me to be wearing costumes again. So they allowed the costumes back. And now, yeah, now, they did approach me last time because I went upstairs to change, and the owner came up to me and was like, hey, listen, uh, people, this is a restaurant upstairs. Like, you know, don't come people upstairs to change because people are going to be like, well, they're, they're not. They're trying don't, to sell food. They don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They don't, which I, I understand. You know, they're like, hey, they don't understand that there's a show going on downstairs. So they're just wondering why there's a half naked man inside the restaurant. And so he's like, hey, can you please get changed downstairs in the bathroom downstairs? And I said, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. So now you all know the adventures of Sam Stevens. And, and how many thongs do you own? Well, no thongs, no thongs. Um, I just speedos, uh, a Wonder Woman costume. I How have a snow white costume. Uh, two speedos, a blue one and a black one. I used to wear the blue one. Now I usually wear the black one. <laughs> and um, yeah, okay. uh, I, I've worn a snow white costume. I've worn a Wonder Woman costume. Let's all right, see. we can we can talk yeah. all day a day about Sam's underwear. Let's uh, let's move on. Phil, we had an interesting week. You didn't know, we? speaking of weird shit that happens in basements. This past, so a couple weeks ago, Sandeep and I, are, we're actually pretty good friends offside the show as well, and Sandeep's like, hey man, there's this class, there's this like sex teacher guy that like teaches you how to like finger bang girls better, do you want to go to this class? And I was like, fuck yeah, I do, because I'm one of those guys that when it comes to like dating and women and all that, any type of knowledge I can acquire, I'll happily acquire, I'll okay. read a book on whatever, yeah. like I'm cool like that. You know, I want to eventually make a woman happy, although it's been challenging thus far in my life, in my 30 years. So anyway, we go to this fucking uh, finger-banging class. Wait, okay. first, it's called, it's called Squirt... Uh, what was it? Squirt Lab. Play Lab. Squirt Play Lab. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. make the story better, by the way. Right, but <laughs> well, it's, it's not that. exactly called finger-banging. <laughs> I think it is still better than finger-banging. Taught by Kenneth Play. Uh, yeah, was... which, by the way, we fully endorse here at the Fake Outrage Report. It was a fucking great class. But anyway, so this is how the class went. We're, uh, we go in this basement of this, like, random house, I guess, uh, somewhere in Bushwick. And there's, like, 30 people there, okay? People, you know, various people, all ages, some attractive, some unattractive. Did you pay for the class? Yeah, it wasn't expensive, though. Guys there was a suggested was donation. A it was a yeah. suggested donation of $69. Wow. 69 No, but you, could, yeah, you yeah. can do I whatever get, you want. You, you I get, get it. The, it's a pay yeah. what you want. You could pay zero. Yeah. But... And so we go there, and they, the <laughs> guy, most people are couples, by the way. Me and Phil are just rolling in. Yeah. There were some other, I think, non-couple people. About, yeah, about 65 70% couples and then a bunch of, like, like stragglers. stragglers, people that were there to learn. Right. And so the guy gives, like, a PowerPoint presentation of, like, how the vagina is, like, you know, constructed and all this stuff. And, like, and then they do a live demonstration. <laughs> Like, this fucking girl who's, like, his assistant teacher, they just, like, put her up on a massage table, and he just puts a glove on and just starts finger-banging her away right in front of everyone. Did she squirt? Yes. Okay. A lot. 
a lot. And the quite thing a copious is, amount of. That's not food. the weird part of this, though. The weird part to me was the fact that there were like 30 people in this class. And he told everyone, like, hey, oh, get up out of your chairs. Like, everyone gather around. Get as close as you can. So there's like 30 people. How did she focus on being able to have an orgasm? I mean, I guess she's just such an exhibitionist that she was just like, oh, I don't yeah, know. I'm Maybe down. she gets off on 30 people just like staring at her vagina while she's. I guess <laughs> like, so. It was yeah. crazy. It was. Yeah, and I looked around the room, like, a few times and just looked at everyone else, like, is this weird to anybody else that there's, like, 30 people who are, like, you know, very, like, uh, conscientiously studying this woman's vagina Especially while she's just getting fucking blasted right in front of everyone? He had gloves on and stuff? Like, this doesn't sound like a sexy scene, if well, that makes sense. Well, apparently, the way he described, if you have gloves on, it's more comfortable for a woman than, like, your fingernails. So it makes it Got a it. smoother way to yes. finger bang a woman. Right, you put a lot of lube on, and it, it oh, makes yeah, it easier right. yeah. to yeah. manipulate, and you know you don't. There's less friction. Um, it was really interesting. You know, I I was it, <laughs> it was a strange scene, but I thought also, you know, this makes sense. We we take classes and we try to get practical skills for so many things, and why not for like for sex? You know, it's something we do all the time. It's important. When and I, was, I learned uh, a lot of stuff when I was getting yeah. my master's degree at, at the University of Southern California, um, one, my mentor and one of my teachers, her name was Brenda. She uh, um, she's a lesbian woman. And she said to me, she I had a girlfriend at the time. And she says to me, she goes, hey, Sam, I'm going to a class on the female orgasm, a lecture here on campus. These guest speakers, do you want to come? And I was like, hell yeah. Of course. And so yeah. I went there with her and and the class started and they're like, this is a, a three hour seminar. But they're like, also, we're selling our book in the back. And, and it was standing room only. So she's like, hey, the the girl, it was a couple that wrote the book. And they're like, hey, if you buy our book, everything that we're going to say in this class is also in the book. So I figure, like, I'm not going to stay for this thing. I'm just going to go buy the book. So I bought the book on the way out. It's called I Love the Female Orgasm. But if you uh, if you buy it online, it's it's I Heart the Female Orgasm. There's a heart the, for, the for less love. Than three. What? You know how like, when someone you, you're typing and you do less than three, it makes a sideways heart? Uh, well, no, it's just on the cover. It just is an eye and then a, okay. a red heart and then right. female orgasm, you know, the <laughs> female or, or I, yeah, I, I heart female orgasm, I think is just the cover. Um, anyway, you can buy it on Amazon. Actually, it's a fantastic book. Uh, these, I guess they're, it's a couple, they're like a masters of sex type couple that show, isn't that a show on like, uh, yes. Showtime or something, right? Yeah, it's like, so. and anyway, uh, yeah, they, they wrote this book. And the book is incredibly enlightening, incredibly enlightening. And, and I will say, I read the book, and uh, I was a much better lover afterwards. I really was, yeah. So Sam Stevens, and all right, us, we've 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 gotten more vaginal knowledge in our lives, and we feel like we're better men for it. So oh, good times. We took a little detour, yeah. but let's get to the outrage. It's uh, it's great to pleasure a woman when she's not outraged. Much more difficult when she is outraged. So it's going to be more difficult to pleasure this next woman. Oh, there. Look at that segue. Good one. Yes. Sandy. This next story comes to us out of Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. Uh, <laughs> more Jennifer, airline outrage. Yes. Where Jennifer Williamson, the distinctively anorgasmic Jennifer Williamson, became outraged when the TSA patted down her 13-year-old son. Uh... They patted her down. They patted him down too much, though he still did not have an orgasm. Did he enjoy it? At least, no. I not according to her. So, <laughs> and this set out outrage. He apparently the son set off detectors when they found a laptop in his bag, and uh, then they took forty five minutes searching their three bags. Whoa! And uh, and then she posted a two minute Facebook video showing the TSA officer patting down her son, and started just posting all these negative comments on Facebook. 
And her Facebook post got 66,000 comments and 100,000 shares from people who need to get the fuck off Facebook, for God's sake. <laughs> Why are you paying so much attention to that? Oh, and she's just, she's all pissed off. She's like, somehow these power-tripping TSA agents who are traumatizing children <laughs> and doing whatever they feel like without any cause need to be reined in. And uh, she also, we've been through hell this morning. They detained Aaron for well over an hour. And they treated us like dogs because I requested they attempt to screen him in other ways per the TSA rules. So she uh, <laughs> she wanted them to screen him in other ways because she claims that her son suffers from sensory processing disorder, which makes him sensitive to touch. Shut the fuck up. And then You're she, a doctor. Is that a real thing? You know, <laughs> if you're going to say your son has sensory processing disorder and can't be searched, then your fucking video that you post of him being searched better show that he can't be searched. Or you're just making him into a victim and creating something and then taking away credibility from people who really have sensory processing disorder. You know what's funny about what you thing. just said? I'm sure that video online of him getting patted down is probably more traumatic than the actual pat down. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like, you like people... <laughs> But but uh, I guess everyone in the whole world scene. I I watched the I watched the video. Um uh, and I watched the woman. She sounds like a gold digger of sorts. She sounds like somebody who's trying to create a lawsuit. Um, and the reason I say that is she kept on saying this is traumatic for my son. I don't know if it's traumatic. I think something is traumatic when a person can't understand why and how it could happen. Um, I think in this case there there's plenty of. People know that 9-11 happened. People know that terrorism exists. I don't think, I think it was excessive. I don't think they should have patted down the sun necessarily. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to be traumatized for this. Here's what I mean is like if he went to some support group and, and there was some dude that was like, oh, man, I had this traumatic experience. I went out to a bar and uh, and some guy roofied me and I and I and I kept on going in and out of consciousness back at this dude's house and he was fingering my butthole and stuff. I'd be like, oh, my God, that's <laughs> horribly traumatic. You know what I mean? And then and then if he's in that same support group and then some other kid is like, I was a uh, I was at Dallas Fort <laughs> Airport once and and a guy touched my dick with the back of his hand in a glove in order to make sure that there wasn't a bomb on my dick. I'd be like, well, like, listen, like, one is way more traumatic than the other. Like, you know, like, it's a lot of finger banging and gloves in this episode for some reason right. so far. I don't, That's I don't the theme know. of it. So the pat down. OK, so let the pat down this traumatic, terrible, uh, soul crushing pat down took two minutes. That was the they, she posted the video and it's really clinical. And the son is completely fine. He's standing there like a normal person being patted down. So you're. Her claim that he has sensory processing disorder is just as bo bogus, is bogus from this video. If you're, it's like saying my son can't walk, and then you show a two-minute video of him walking. He's handling it just like anyone else would handle it. Obviously, it's not super comfortable being patted down. Or maybe it, it is, if you're you know, into that kind of thing. But it was two minutes, and then here's the thing. New TSA procedures took place on March 2nd. The administration consolidated different variations of the pat-down into one uniform standard procedure using enhanced security measures. The change is partially the result of an undercover audit in 2015 by the Inspector General's Office of the Homeland Security that revealed major lapses in security. So basically, these pat-downs were not effective and people could sneak shit on, so now they have to do this 
But like, I think here's but what don't I they read. have those naked body scanners at this point that are supposed to just it's like yeah, a, where you go put your arms basically, in the air. We put your arms in the air. Yeah, exactly. I've gone through those things so many times. I mean, this is Dallas Fort Worth Airport. I get it if it's like a sidebar airport that really doesn't have a, you know proper screening. Memphis, yeah, what? Portland, yeah, whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. You know, what I mean, where but this is Dallas Fort Worth International Airport. You would think they even if they didn't have the proper stuff at that terminal, you'd think they'd be able to like okay go. Over to Terminal 5, they got a machine that's basically an x-ray machine. And yeah, just have your kid walk through there. We'll make sure he doesn't have a bomb you on You know what? Or... If someone doesn't feel like being searched, I don't think that should be a criteria. Oh, no, you don't have to be searched because you're white and you're upset about it. Was this kid white? That was my next oh, question. Yeah, yeah he's Super fucking white. white. That was the whole, that's Super the subtext whole thing. My kid had to be searched and he's not even brown. Oh, uh, yeah, that is a white people move. Yeah. How, do you, how can you search us? Clearly, we're not the terrorists. Why shouldn't they know that we're not the terrorists? That's like the whole underlying subtext of that all is the, stupid That is bitching. the underlying subtext. Subtext is like he's wearing shorts, he's wearing a t-shirt, uh, he's white. Like you know, how stupid are you guys? That's basically what she was saying in the video. Yeah, here's the thing: it's not up to you, you dumb whore. You you, you can't. You're, it's not up to you whether you look suspicious or whether you should be searched or not. That's not how things work. I love how people have no concept of what the TSA has to deal with, and there are people trying to kill us on planes, and yeah. it's just. He has to be inconvenienced for two minutes, and it's like the most unbelievable thing that's ever happened to this woman. This is like clearly white people problems, literally. First <laughs> the thing, I thought, well, now what is it with the laptop? I always bring my laptops onto planes. You're supposed they to said, take it out of the yeah, bag. Yeah, it has to be separate. You know the little tray? Yeah, you but put it on the tray. You can't have it in your backpack. Hey, here's the thing. I've left it in my backpack before. You know what they do? It goes through the machine, and then they take it out of my backpack and run the bag and the laptop again through the machine separately. Yeah. And they let me go. They don't pat me down. For real. Honestly, I think the reason this kid probably got pat down is because his mom probably went nuts and being like, this is, you know what I mean? Like, here's the thing is, if you... Oh, it was a spite thing. Well, no, not a spite thing. It's like anything else. Like, if you don't cooperate, then you get the full run of the gamut, you know? If you, it's like anything else. If you don't cooperate, if you start mouthing off, they go, okay, well, now you're getting the whole nine yards because you started mouthing off. And it's a little suspicious. Yeah, it could be suspicious. suspicious. And also, there people are randomly searched. mouths off is suspicious right away, you know? In my mind, I'm like... He's like, well, why being so defensive, huh? Why being so defensive? Exactly. Why not just cooperate with us and we'll get you out of here quickly? And the second you're like, no, I'm not cooperating, it's like, well, okay, now you're getting everything. (laughs) Because we have no choice now. What do you you think we're going to do? Be like, oh, you don't want to cooperate? That's cool. (laughs) Well, so you're saying that they gave her like the airport version of like the step out of the car and walk in a straight line. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So, so, So what happened was is... um. Imagine somebody gets pulled over, right? And the cop is like, uh, hey, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, step out of the car. And then the person's like, I ain't stepping out of shit. You know what I mean? Like, or, you know, they're just get angry and start yelling and stuff. Now, all of a sudden, now all of a sudden they're like, they're like, okay, well, you're not cooperating. So now we got to get the dogs. We got to do all of this stuff because you're not cooperating, you know? And, um, and so anyway, and now that I'm saying, listen, I don't think a person should necessarily step out of a car. If I get pulled over and someone's like, hey, step out of the car, I'm going to immediately say, why you know what i mean i want some answers before i do anything like that and stuff or if somebody's like you know but either way here's what i know is if they ask me to search my car and i say no they're gonna say okay wait here we're getting dogs we're getting the whole nine yards in order to figure out what's going on with your car and i think that's what happened and she didn't she's not showing that part of the video which is where they were like hey listen we're gonna have to uh search your son's stuff and then she went a little nuts and then they're like well now he's getting the full <laughs> pat down 
Sandeep, was there a statement put out by the airline or the TSA? Yes, there was. Okay. The TSA response, the TSA allows for a pat-down of a teenage passenger. In this case, all approved procedures were followed to resolve an alarm of the passenger's laptop. The video shows a male TSA officer explaining the procedure to the passenger who fully cooperates, and that's what it showed to me. I mean, he's, like, super calm. He's being very patient. Um, okay. he, he's using, I and mean, he has gloves on. He's using the back of the hand. And then afterwards, the TSA officer was instructed by a supervisor who's observing to complete the final step of the screening process. In total, the pat-down took approximately two minutes and was observed by the mother and two police officers who were called to mitigate the concerns of the mother. So these two other police officers had to come and talk this woman down for doing her the indignity of doing airport security because she's white. And, you know, white people (laughs) need to... And once the cops are there, you're getting the whole nine yards. You are. Yeah. Uh, And as a white person, I will say that um, I tend to lean pro airport security. I think, uh, you know, especially in this phase of the world where we're bombing countries again, like it's, you know, security is going to be heightened. And that's just something we're going to have to deal with for a while. And it it sucks. But, you know, I don't feel like this lady's, you know, liberties got violated in any way. She's just kind of being angry about it. But just the, the language. These power-tripping TSA agents who are traumatizing children, doing whatever they feel without call. Like, where, what, what basis does she have to say something like this? And why are people listening to this dumb bitch? Well, airport security is kind of a hassle. I, I understand there might be some people reading this being like, yeah, airport security sucks, fuck them, and that click and share on Facebook or whatever. Like, right. I kind of understand that a little bit. Because, I mean, who hasn't waited in a shitty two-hour-long fucking security line at LAX? You know what I mean? These things happen. And so I understand why people could be upset at airport security in general. And so they're using this specific instance to channel some of that anger. I see that. Right. Yeah. But I still think this is bullshit. Like, what happens is they're, they're victims of this case is that the people trying to do their job and everyone gets empowered to just fuck with the TSA. You know, it's not it's not up to I mean, have some have some like knowledge, have some understanding of what security is requirement. But just because something feels inconvenient to you doesn't mean you automatically have a case. And just because something looks inconvenient on tape doesn't mean that you should share it and 100,000 people. And the, then there are people who are really trying to keep us safe. And then everyone's just getting empowered to be like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. You know? And let's be honest, people who have jobs like the TSA job or a job at the, at the DMV, or I was just, I went and paid those tickets today, those speeding, that speeding, speeding tickets. tickets. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, the people who have jobs like that, to a certain degree, they're like, hey, listen, I just need this job. So they do what they're told at the end of the day. Yeah, they want to get a paycheck. That's it. You know, I mean, I feel like, and maybe there are some security officers at some airports who you know, are like that, who are like, um, they wake up in the morning like, I'm going to fuck with people today because I can. But I feel like that's 1% of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like most of them are just like regular people who... But she here's the thing. She showed this video and yeah. it contradicted everything she said. First, the kid <laughs> doesn't have sensory processing disorder because he's, he's processing the sensation of being searched just like any other kid would. He he doesn't he's not being traumatized. He the the officer is patient in explaining what he's doing and doing it professionally. And so like if you're going to if you're going to post a video, then like at least have it say match And he's what not you're getting saying. molested. He's in a public place. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not you know, like it's 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 no one's doing anything deviant in in a wide open space in front of everybody, in front of police officers standing there. Yeah, they didn't drag him in the fucking back room and the you know turn the 
fucking except you know, that didn't off happen. And, yeah, no, they didn't do that shit. They just gave him a pat down because his mom is being a bitch. What um, it sounded like to I me. I guarantee you, and they didn't show obviously that part of the video because that part of the video isn't there. It's not recorded. But I guarantee you that mom was mouthing off, and <laughs> that's what. How dare you touch my was. son like that? My son was the captain of the lacrosse team last year, okay? <laughs> and you know what? Mm. People like that, they look for ways to become victims. They really do. Certain yeah. people do. Certain people do. The video I saw of her, she seemed like the type of woman who spends her life the way, like you said, what did she say her son had? Sensory, Sensory processing disorder. Yeah. like so, so she's already the type of person who's looking for a reason for her and her child to be a victim. <laughs> and, then, and then for her to then take the video, put it on Facebook, go go to on the news. I mean, you know, the news is calling her and she's like, yeah, I would like to talk about this. <laughs> you know, and yeah, then, I'm calling it, channel eight and I'm going to go on WebMD and yeah. find a disease. Certain people, my kid they has. just want attention so, so, so yes. badly. And in their mind, they're like, this might be a way to for it to lead to a lawsuit. I, I made the joke when that dude got pulled off that plane. I wouldn't have left that plane either. I would have been like, you know what? You are going to have to rip me off of this plane and you are going to rip me off and into a multi-million dollar lawsuit, which I, cause I'm going to be like, Oh no, I was traumatized as I was being ripped off that plane. Please give me millions of dollars. Thank you. United. Um, all right. She ended. So the last thing she said, so she's, she's interviewed by all these news channels and she's like, of course she is. She's talking about her son. She's like, he said, I don't know why they did this. I don't know what I did wrong. To me, that was a sign of trauma. Oh, really? That's a way to diagnose him with trauma now, as a, along with sensory processing Wait, did disorder. Did the kid say anything, or just the mom's the one taking the interview? The mom. And then to think that he had done... <laughs> to me, that was a sign of trauma, to think that he had done anything wrong. It's like, yeah, then you had to actually have a conversation with your kid about, you know, airport security and, you know, taking your laptop out of your bag when they ask you to. That... the Oh, the hell. The hell. The horror this 13-year-old kid had to experience I've gotten patted having down questions before. about the uh, uh, TSA's procedure. Like it's like a something that happens in the world, hon. Yeah, you can talk to your kid about it. Mm. Yeah. I mean that's the closest I think white people ever come to actual oppression is that. I mean I I, I get upset sometimes if I forget that I have like my toothpaste or sunscreen in my bag and they take it away. But like I'm not gonna get pissed off and you know, call the local news and make a fucking hoopla out of it. Mm. You know, airport security is a sadly necessary evil. So fake outrage. What do you think, Sandeep? Uh, I, I, I'm guessing our viewers could tell from how. I yeah, from the way the you story, started this, you, you tipped your I, hand very early. I will say, yeah, I should have. I should have been more had more of a poker, poker presentation. I, I got I got arrested once, and I I went to jail uh, <laughs> when I was in when I was in college. I got arrested yeah, I, for underage for consumption. What? Just underage consumption at this party, but like we wouldn't let the cops in and stuff to the party. The people, the the house that the party was at, they wouldn't let the cops in. Then the cops eventually busted in and they just grabbed like like there was uh like ten kids that they grabbed and I was one of them. Went to jail for the night, and uh, and I remember when I got there, they they uh they made me shower in front of a police officer. They you know they're like, hey, take off all your clothes. They made me shower in front of a police officer. I had to bend over and cough so they could see that nothing was in my ass and stuff. Did you get the finger up there, the glove and the finger? No, no not, glove not here. But my question is, was I violated? Like you know what I mean? Like that that seems way more invasive than what this kid went through. Yeah, and you didn't. Post and I didn't on fucking social media. Yeah, I didn't go on social media and bitch. I just figured like, ah, oh, they're just making sure I don't stab myself. Not in the to prison. age you. So. Sam, but did, did they even have a social media when you were in college? Uh, was it like yeah, the very yeah, beginning of like MySpace was, or something? No, like no, they that? well, they, MySpace was still big, but they had yeah. Facebook. Yeah, they oh, had Facebook. Like mid, yeah. early mid two thousands. Uh, I graduated from high school in two thousand one. Oh, okay, so you're you're not that far ahead of me. Okay, yeah. you're going to fake outrage on the airport thing with us, right? Wait, what? 
We we do like a like a verdict thing okay. at the end of the topics. Oh, fake out. Oh yes, yes, yes fake outrage. Okay, yes, fake outrage. Yeah. We're we're very official today. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's the thing. I will say this. I don't think. I think. I think. Things like pat downs. I've been patting down the airport. I'm like, this is ridiculous, especially because you have that machine over there that's supposed to tell you whether or not, like, what's underneath yeah. your clothes. You know, so I mean, uh, you know, I in my mind, I'm like, it is a sort of, it is overkill. But at the same time, I didn't, I've, whenever I've been patting down the airport, do I agree that it's overkill? I 100% agree that it's overkill. Do I think I was traumatized by the event? No, I wasn't traumatized at all. So that's kind of where I lie, basically. All right. So yeah. you've had way more traumatic experiences, and you don't give a shit. Yes. So there we go. Fake outrage in that one. And uh, speaking of substances that you're not supposed to be putting in your body, that brings us to our next topic over here. Uh, this story began in Utah and ended up over on the East Coast in Philadelphia. This one is one that sort of happened at the end of last year, but someone wrote a story on it this past week because it was 420, the big marijuana holiday recently. And so... There was a surprisingly good piece in on BuzzFeed about this. I, I <laughs> they're not known for their journalism. Anyway, in Utah, there was a 19-year-old guy named Riley Hansey, and he had a like mysterious illness, went to the doctor, went to a few doctors, was having breathing problems, and one of the doctors is like, dude, you have a rare case of pneumonia, and you're gonna die if you don't get a lung transplant. So they go to the hospital. In Utah, the University of Utah Hospital. And one of the doctors there was like, oh, uh, this kid tested positive for marijuana, so we're not going to do this procedure here. And go fuck yourself. <laughs> well, they didn't say go fuck yourself, but... Yeah, they said he couldn't get the transplant, yeah, right? they said he couldn't get a transplant. So then family started freaking out and calling everywhere around the country. And then uh, a hospital in Philadelphia the University of Pennsylvania hospital was like, yeah, we'll do it, but you got to fly the kid here. So this kid, uh, after spending a fucking month on life support, had to get all this shit strapped to him and then flown, flown across the country so we can get a new lung. Marijuana people are outraged <laughs> that it was this complicated to get a lung transplant and that there was kind of a hurdle there based on the positive THC in his system. Well, yeah, it seemed like uh, the Utah hospital made a value judgment. Hmm. Um and then wouldn't give this kid like a life-saving procedure. What do you mean by value judgment? Because they said he was he was using marijuana. Mm -hmm. um, it, that's what it, that's what it sounded like to me. Now there is some precedent because if you if you have like alcoholic cirrhosis, um, and you keep drinking, you can't stay sober. You know you 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 don't get on the list to get a, a new liver because if you're just you know you're not using it well. Um, and I guess that's a value judgment, but there is some precedent. But this doesn't seem to match that because it's not like he had a he knew that um, he was diagnosed with some condition that was caused by marijuana, and he well, had a chance not to write caused himself. by marijuana. What pneumonia is not caused by marijuana. Pneumonia is caused by right. Well, it could. I mean, in theory, I mean, stuff I'm sure it doesn't help, but that's not the trigger for it. Yeah, it could make it more susceptible in theory. But this is like this is a rare case, and it wasn't there isn't there wasn't like a warning that he had, and there wasn't a chance to you know change his lifestyle. It was just something that was immediate in, initially diagnosed, and then they just without any, um, without any background, they just kind of denied him for testing positive. Now you've worked in a few hospitals, right? Because you are a psychiatrist. Yeah. Yes. Dr. Sandeep, very, um, first of all, it's fantastic that you're fucking my co-host because you can answer questions that most people can't. Is this common in hospitals that people are denied certain procedures because of their lifestyle? 
I think when the organ is in, it's like that's where I think that's where I mentioned the alcohol thing, like where the organ in question is mm-hmm. directly being hurt, and then you're just kind of wasting that organ when someone else who really needs the organ, um, you know, they they do they but they will do that. But this doesn't sound like it's the same case. Yeah, I think he was a teenager, uh, so nineteen years old. Yeah, yeah, nineteen years old. I don't think he could have smoked enough to really do damage to his lungs um in the form of marijuana i don't i don't see where that would be possible that he smoked that much and you're someone who's tested that theory personally too (laughs) i used to smoke a lot of weed i used to smoke a lot a lot a lot of weed um but yeah no i think i think i think he's a victim of utah you know like i mean i you know i think literally he's a victim of mormon land um really it's it's a place jeff sessions country you know like he's a bad person if he smokes marijuana and 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 i'll and i'll be honest with you if you gave me the choice between getting a um a lung transplant at a at a hospital in utah or a lung transplant (laughs) at the at 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 pennsylvania university which is an ivy league school one of the best medical schools in the world (laughs) like seriously i mean you know it's an ivy league school i mean what's what's better than than pennsylvania university medical school i mean there are very few places that are as good as that um honestly i'd be like you know what i would like to get my lung transplant done there so all right so maybe marijuana actually helped him get a better lung maybe i don't know that's the irony I don't know. I don't know the qualifications of the two hospitals, but he, I definitely feel that he was a uh, a victim of Mormon land, which is you know. okay. Well, and also it's worth mentioning because you were talking about uh, precedents and stuff. There is no federal regulation on uh, you know whether you can or can't give someone an organ based on their history, and so it's it's just up to the hospitals. So it really was a, like you said, it's a case of. He was in Mormon land. They said drugs are bad. And then here in the East Coast, they're like, no, drugs are awesome. Come out here. Yeah. And that was pretty much it because it's up to the hospitals individually. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, I, I definitely wouldn't say it's uh, it's fake outrage on the parents' parts because it's like, hey, listen, you know, help out our son. Like, he's obviously he's 19 years old. He obviously at, at 19 smoking marijuana. There's no way that. There's no, this isn't meth, you know, there, there's nothing that, that he's doing that isn't outside the normal sphere of a 19-year-old kid. And so for that, it is ridiculous. It's not, you know, it's it's definitely not fake outrage in that way. Um, yeah. But, but I guess at the same time, I mean, there were other options out there, so... You know, I, when you when I look at situations like this, I'm like, well, did you land on your feet? Yeah, you landed on your feet, so okay. Yeah. Well, and yeah. the, well, the outrage wasn't about the end result, which was him. Yeah. Because this happened, I guess, near Thanksgiving last year. He's in recovery now. But the end result wasn't the fact that he ended up getting the lung transplant here. The end result was that a doctor was like, oh, your kid's going to die, but he smoked a little pot, so fuck him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that was kind of the attitude. I'm always amazed by by people like like people like that because you know everyone wants to be on the right side of history. So I'm always amazed that like a doctor in this Utah hospital is like, I'm not doing that lung transplant. I would be like, Hey, dude, you realize in about 30 years you're just gonna look like a complete asshole. You really are. Like when when <laughs> marijuana is completely legal and when and when and when all the studies show that that like. Yes, long-term marijuana use can ruin lungs, but it's serious long-term marijuana use. When they look back on this case, you're just going to look like a complete D-bag. You really and when are. you say long-term, you mean like decades, right? Yeah, I would So assume. like this kid's 19. Let's say he happened to start when he was like, what, 14, maybe? Yeah. maybe I mean, I doubt it, maybe 16 out in Utah. Yeah. And you don't know. 
Okay, so I mean, it, maximum of five years of usage, that's not going to do the kind of damage, especially with young lungs that you're talking about. Yeah, also at the age of 19, I mean, he doesn't have, I mean, I doubt he has like a full-time job where he's making really good money where he's able to smoke tons and tons and tons <laughs> of weed every day. He's living with his folks. I mean, honestly, you're talking about a, a, a kid who probably smoked four or five times a week, basically, and that was that, and it was just in yeah. his system. He had a couple hits with his buddies in some one of his friends' basements or whatever, yeah. Because, you know, THC tests, they're, they're not, they don't really quantify, I, I know this because I went to rehab and they, they, they say like, you know, um, in rehab when I, I would have to take a piss test twice a week, there was no way of saying whether like, whether or not like THC, how they, there's no way of telling the rate, this is how they explain it. There's no way of telling the rate of how much THC is getting lowered in your body. I'm sure maybe there is if you're doing full on blood tests Oh, so they don't like know that. the difference between if you smoked one joint or if It's either detectable or it's not. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So there's okay. a certain point where you have such a low amount of THC that it becomes undetectable in a piss test. It's probably still detectable in a in a blood test and probably even further still detectable in a hair test. But there's just a certain amount that it gets lowered to a certain point where it's no longer detectable in a piss test. And, and they it's so it's either a uh, it's either a pass or fail thing, you know, because the piss tests are these like strips that they that they let you pee in a cup. And oh, they I'm literally, familiar. I'm familiar. Yeah, with they the piss test. yeah they take the strip <laughs> and they put it in there, and if it turns a certain color, it turns a certain color. So it's an under or over deal. It's not you know it's a it's an all or nothing deal. And I don't know. I mean, I imagine for uh, um, uh, a surgery like this, it would probably be a blood test. But I imagine it's the same thing in a blood test. It's an over or under deal. I would imagine. But the fact that it was a qualifier for life-saving surgery is the outrage in this case. Yeah. And the family, uh, actually, they made a, a crowdfunding page. I guess there's a site called UCARE. It's like uh, instead of Kickstartering for an indie movie, it's Kickstartering to fucking, you know, get people medical procedures and shit. And they had to do a crowdfunding page, and there was a big thing about it. And they got the money and flew them to Philly. Uh, this one, I'm, I'm definitely going to go legitimate outrage. I think that this is fucking insane that you're going to tell a 19-year-old, you know, eh, you're going to die, shouldn't have smoked some pot. You know, fuck you, kid. Uh, th that's crazy to me and insulting. And uh, Yeah, that's what it sounded like yeah. to me, too. Look, if this guy had, like, a debilitating, deteriorating lung condition, and they're like, you can't smoke pot because it's, it's making your... And then he he's not able to stop, and then... You know, then it's something you have to address. But this was no one knew anything. He suddenly, you know, he suddenly needed this lung and to and to use the marijuana test. That's some cold shit. Yeah, that is some cold. cold shit. But yeah, definitely, I I vote real outrage here. Okay, so real outrage. We, we've covered and a lot of ground today, you guys. We covered... wait. Sam didn't vote. Yeah, no, I yeah, I vote real out. I vote real out outrage. He started um, by saying yeah. it wasn't fake outrage like ten minutes ago oh, yeah, before yeah, he told his rehab yeah, thing. Yeah. I just want to get the official the official count. Yeah, official, no, I, so I agree. Definitely outrage. Real, real outrage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that doctor. I think that doctor who made that call twenty years from now, if, if that kid had died, he'd have a lot of egg on his face. That would have been know? a bigger fucking news story. Yeah, that would have yeah. been crazy. Yeah, he would have he would have been a villain twenty years from now, and the kid would have been a martyr for legalization yeah, in for the sure. saddest fucking way. Yeah, for sure. Oh sure. man, so we've covered a lot of ground. Guys. We've done life and death, and uh, marijuana, and finger banging, and squirting. This has been an adventure. Before we go, though, we always give our guests the opportunity. Mr. Sam Stevens, is there anything you're currently outraged about that you want to let some steam off on the universe? Oh, geez. Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I don't know. I guess, I guess, uh, yeah. I just went through rehab, so I mean. <laughs> you're outraged about rehab? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess uh, uh, rehab. I'll tell you what is a little bit um, 
uh, and you maybe you can, Sandy, this is interesting because, you know, this is definitely something that I think you should comment on. Um, the business aspect of rehab. What, what do you think about this? Because here's, here's what I mean is um, I went to rehab. I went to a very uh, uh, privileged rehab, not in the sense it got paid for. It got paid for, for through my health insurance, um, but it was a rehab that didn't. Did take it have me. like a super fancy name like? Like yes. Charming Pines or something yes. like that. Silver Hill. Like, Silver Hill in Connecticut. <laughs> okay, yeah. In Connecticut. Name. Oh, yeah. Connecticut. Now we're getting white. So here, here's the deal. So there's three rehab centers in Connecticut. Um, uh, Yukon, this place called like the Hartford IOP, um, and uh, uh, which stands for in- inpatient, outpatient. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, then there's... Uh, Silver whatever. Then there's Silver Hill. Yeah. Silver Hill. I think those are the three. Okay. (laughs) Now, either way, Silver Hill is the only one that doesn't take Medicare and Medicaid. So they just take insurance, right? So right away, like uh, essentially the reason they do that is it is is it it automatically makes it more of a privileged place. You know what I'm saying? Because um um it's uh just no Medicare, no Medicaid whatsoever. No one goes there, it's everybody who goes there is 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 there's zero government assistance allowed there. Okay, so you have Um, to you have to be able uh, to afford it to go there. Insurance has to be paying for or you're paying out of pocket, one of the two. Okay, all right. right. And so for my case, um, you know, I had a job, and uh, I still have the job. I still have that, and so on. But that paid for it. Um, insurance paid for the whole thing and stuff. And and if you do inpatient there, you got to write a check. I did outpatient. Insurance paid for the whole thing. Um, if you do inpatient, you got to write a check for $35,000, and then insurance pays in, on top of insurance paying their portion. I want to say insurance, it costs like $15,000, and, and and if you just have just regular insurance, you know what I mean? This costs I, 50k overall. Yeah, I think I have United Healthcare, you know. So so anyway, well that's the that's the inpatient. I didn't do inpatient, I did outpatient, so you know, it didn't cost me a dime past that. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal is that like the entire time they tried to push drugs on me every second and, and and i was saying the guy listen i'm not freaking out i'm not using that's the point why do i need drugs yeah, but the psychiatrist there would just every week between it was first it was gabapentin he wanted to put me on then it was a uh, uh, zoloft and prozac and just hey do you want any wellbutrin i see you're smoking cigarettes just any little thing he was just trying to throw and there were some people there that were on eight nine different things and in my mind you look at it and i'm like dude it seemed very much like a business you know in my mind and here was the thing that was hilarious there were certain people there this is no lie certain people there were there, and this is where it gets a little wild. They were there for certain medications, and then you ask them, "Hey, how, you know, because they were they had been abusing these medications for years." You're like, "Hey, how did you get on these medications?" And they would go, "Oh, I was in rehab ten years ago, and they put me on these medications in order to get me off <laughs> of these other medications." And then ten years later, they're back in rehab. Most common example: Hey, you they would go to rehab for for coke, and they would get prescribed Adderall like ten years ago. You know what I mean? Because they'd be like, yeah. "Oh, well, you know, this is you know basically medical. This is a." Re- placement you know and um and, and same thing with heroin and then on to all these all these um um things that now people are going to rehab for so it's kind of weird and that and, and I, I guess there you know any sort of medic any sort of medicine is a failing forward process it is you know anything is a failing forward process you know nothing's ideal and stuff but i don't know it just seemed very much like a business basically and this psychiatrist like it seemed like he was sitting there, like he was just pushing medication. So you're on outraged everybody. at the fact that you went to rehab and they were trying to get you off the illegal drugs and onto the legal drugs. Yeah, Doctor Sin, 
Yeah, Dr. what's your Sandeep? take on this? What's your take on this? Well, you uh, the business part seems to me more like they, you know, they only took certain insurances, and you yeah. know, they give uh, you make you take a lot of cash. That to me seems like the business part. The 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 medicines we'll talk about it, but that doesn't seem like a business thing. It's not like the doctor gets money when he prescribes Prozac. Okay, um, but but does he get like does he get do these pharmaceutical reps take him like out to dinner and stuff like that? Is there that they may take that, him out to dinner? Is and there that's that the, aspect like? They trips might take to strip him out to clubs and shit like that. No. Like for real? No. Okay. No, they they might take him out to dinner. Strip clubs. The, that's the extent of it anymore. They, okay. I mean, they would take you out to dinner anyway, though. Um, whether you prescribe a medicine or not. Got it. Um, okay. Okay. I mean, I can go to, I can go to pharmaceutical dinners any night of the week if I. He just seems so hungry to be writing. Yeah, out that is. See, that's the thing. Uh, first, okay, we should draw a distinction between addictive drugs and non-addictive drugs. So, gabapentin, yeah. Paxil, Prozac, these aren't addictive drugs. Okay. Okay. And so, but Adderall I, I think is the, though, right? Adderall. Yes, Adderall okay. is. So I think framing it like they're just trying to get you hooked on something else instead of marijuana. If you have like an underlying anxiety disorder and Prozac, which is a not addictive drug is going to help you with that. Um, it's a good idea, but if you are clearly communicating that you would, you're not freaking out and you would, you know, you want to be off, you know, you want to, you don't want medicine right now. That's, that is strange that he keeps trying to push it on you. I agree. Yeah, dude, he shouldn't would, be doing every, that every week. There would just be a, he would give me all these different printouts. Was that added? And to strictly your bill? speaking, if you're like if you're gonna no, diagnose well, someone no, with no, an no. underlying anxiety or depression or something, they're supposed to be off, you know, marijuana for, you know, for at least like a month or two. And maybe if the patient is clamoring for it, like like you know, I I've had anxiety in the past, and you know, you, you can, and every time I get off, I have anxiety, or I, you know, I want to be treated now because I think I'm gonna, you know, be craving. Then it's a good idea to, to prescribe yeah. something like that. But if you're saying I don't want anything, I made it very clear first mean I don't want any drugs. He offered me gabapentin, <laughs> Prozac, um, Zoloft, <laughs> and then finally Wellbutrin. And I'm like, dude, I just don't want any drugs. And he, uh, yeah. yeah, we have it on yeah. recording. Sam Stevens saying, I just don't want any drugs. I just don't want any drugs. That's no. crazy. That's something that you wouldn't have said a few months ago. I would not have said that a few months ago. That <laughs> yeah. is true. That, that seems true. like a good place to end right yeah. there. Um, thank you all for listening. You can follow Sam Stevens online at... Uh, yeah, you can just uh, follow me on Facebook, Sam Stevens. Awesome, man. And you can follow us on Twitter if you'd like at Fake Outrage Rept or follow us on Facebook. We're on there, too. Um, email us if you'd like to at thefakeoutragereport at gmail.com. And give us all those uh, reviews on whatever fucking sites, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, whatever the hell other apps, uh, uh, Laughable, we're on Laughable too. Uh, Sandy Pissan, any parting thoughts? Yeah, if, you, if you're listening and you've never squirted before, you know, <laughs> why don't you reach out to me or Phil? Uh, we have some knowledge now. We'll, uh, we, can, we can try some things. Oh, man. Yeah, and maybe do some drugs while we're at it, too. There we go.